This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about the structured settlement industry from the experts in the know. Ringler Associates, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years and the only broker you need. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Now, join Ringler Radio host, Larry Cohen. Welcome to Ringler Radio. I'm Larry Cohen, head of Ringler Associates Northeast Operations. We're certainly glad you could join us again today. And uh, if you're a first-time listener, you'll want to know that we cover topics of interest for all segments of the structured settlement industry. Well, today we're coming to you live from uh, the beautiful town of Newport Beach, California, and the Ringler Associates Annual Meeting. And I'm thrilled to be out here, away from the northeast snow and wind. And uh, with me is my colleague and co-host for today, Angus Kennedy from Ringler's San Diego office. And uh, thanks for joining me today, uh, Angus. My pleasure, Larry, and welcome to our little part of paradise here in Southern California. Not too long a trip for you today, huh? Just no. up the coast. Right up from San Diego, California. <laughs> exactly. That was cool. Well, let's introduce our guest, Angus. Why don't you do that? Well, Larry, I'd like to introduce uh, attorney Michael Ian Rott. He's a founding senior partner at the firm of Hiding Rotten Ortley, located in San Diego. Mike's practice encompasses all aspects of employment law with a great deal of experience with unions. He works as a general counsel for uh, professional sports teams, Workers' Compensation Defense Council for two Major League Baseball teams, currently serves as general counsel to numerous labor unions throughout California. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thank you, Angus. Thank you, Larry. Glad to be here. Well, that's great, Mike. Uh, You know, besides working with unions on uh, issues regarding employment and layoffs and wages and arbitration, and my God, all those issues that unions uh, clamor about, you're keenly involved also in workers' comp cases, Mike, uh, and that's what we want to focus on today. You know, Department of Labor statistics are showing us that work-related injuries and fatalities were actually down in 2006, and uh, the most common fatal work-related cases that occur in construction, transportation, agriculture, and government work, they're all down as well. Are there any surprises in, in that to you, uh, Mike? Well, you know, there aren't, and that's all true. And I think in uh, looking at the uh, same statistics, unfortunately, uh Fatal work injuries were actually up for female workers. Oh, I think really? about five percent in that uh, in 2006, after uh, two years of declining uh, fatalities. Is that a function of more females in the workplace, or is it uh, less less safety in the workplace? You know, it could be actually a combination of both. Mm-hmm. And I was also going to add that, uh, unfortunately, in that same increased category are Hispanic and Latino workers. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're, we're Certainly interested in as to why those numbers are up for uh, for those categories. That's interesting. Does that, and I don't know, but I'm asking, does that speak to some of the uh, safety issues that are p- potentially uh, not quite as significant when it comes to some of that those categories of workers? Is that your opinion? You know, I, I think it would be. Uh, we, we represent a number of um, workers on assembly lines all throughout California, and unfortunately, these these folks. They need, the, they need the money, they need the job, and they don't want to complain. And unfortunately, uh, by the time they complain, the damage is already done and it's too late. Yeah, so they're willing to work in, uh, in conditions that aren't, uh, let's say, acceptable to most of us. Exactly. Hey, Mike, with the exception of construction, are we seeing fewer workers' compensation cases because the U.S. industry has moved away from manufacturing? I mean, it's hard to get injured while writing software programs up in Silicon Valley. 
<laughs> you know, uh, our firm actually hasn't. We've seen an increase in injuries caused by repetitive motions and poor ergonomics uh, that have affected grocery store checkers, assembly line workers, jackhammer operators, uh, you know, just to name a few. I think uh, it seems that uh, we live in a, a deadline-driven world where employees just frequently work for longer periods and they take longer breaks expecting that uh, the, uh, the pain is just going to go away. The reality is once the pain uh, sets in, the damage has already been done. Well, you know, uh, it's interesting. I was very interested to hear that your firm has filed the very first hearing loss, no pun intended, hearing loss class <laughs> action in uh, California workers' comp history. Uh, the class action evidently was filed on behalf of Albertson's meat cutters throughout California. Tell us more about that case. That sounds uh, quite large and extensive. I'd be happy to, Larry. Well, after a meeting with several meat cutters, a common theme seemed to be apparent that uh, this grocery store chain refused to provide its meat cutters with hearing protection. And we realized changes in industry standards wouldn't come about without, no pun intended, a deafening court verdict. <laughs> I, I met with our team of lawyers, and we came up with a recipe to do just that. Our idea was filing a class action, uh, which came to us from our civil side of our firm's practice. As you, as you may or may not know, a class action is a procedural device to determine the rights and remedies of a large number of people whose cases involve common questions of law or fact. So we filed in uh, San Diego uh, Work Comp Appeals Board, and the presiding judge and the associate chief judge for the southern region of California is actually shepherding uh, our case. Mm. We're currently in the process of scheduling noise measurement testing at several Albertsons meat departments. And uh, we're hoping that the noise levels are at the level that we believe them to be. And if so, we uh, plan to press forward to have the court issue orders to have Albertsons throughout California provide its meat cutters with hearing protection. You, you know, when I was in high school, I worked in a meat cutting plant in Connecticut, and, you know, I don't hear very well now. Maybe I should talk to you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we do that after the show? Yeah, we will. <laughs> hey, Mike, what do you see as one of the main factors that triggers litigation in the workers' compensation arena? I mean, is it lack of failed negotiations, lack of communication between parties? Where do you see that the uh, that trigger being? Well, uh, typically, uh, litigation uh, is commenced after uh, negotiation has failed. The biggest thing that uh, I see is that uh, a, there's a breakdown in communication. Usually, uh, a blue sky can turn into a black one really, really fast. Mm -hmm. And uh, on occasion, unfortunately, there are those cases where People dig their heels in, and you just need to try and win a case. And on other occasions, you have a, uh, an opposing law, uh, law firm that uh, they just want to double or triple their client's exposure because of, the, uh, of their, their fees. And I've seen many, many situations where, fortunately, clearer minds prevail. Uh, I've seen consistently where an insurance examiner will just, just want to stop the bloodletting. They'll pick up the telephone without first talking to their uh, overbilling lawyer and offer us an extremely reasonable settlement. You know, I realize every workers' comp case is a bit different, but uh, let's talk about what kinds of things are really critical to you as a, as a plaintiff attorney. And I know here in California you're, you're known more as an applicant attorney. But uh, 
What's critical to you? And, and, you know, it would also be critical, obviously, to folks like Angus and myself and the uh, structured settlement field. But I'm talking about long-term medical costs for the injured worker, education funds for the survivors of victims killed on the job, those sorts of things. What are the critical elements uh, as you look at these cases? Well, our critical element is, since most of our clients are either catastrophically injured or killed on the job, our main objective is to ensure that in the former, that in the event of a global settlement, there's sufficient monthly income to replace the lost income, uh, to provide for attendant care, to cover items that are either partially covered or not covered by Medicare, and in the latter, to ensure that a stream of income is received so that those that are left behind who are not currently working are not forced to, that they have sufficient funds coming in to provide for food, housing, clothing, education, and those things that are their mom, dad, husband, or wife would financially provide if they were still alive. Yeah, well, one of the things that uh, Mike and I do when we do meet with the clients uh, before the settlement, during the settlement, after settlement, is trying to understand their needs. And, and Mike uh, pinpointed a couple of the areas, replacing the indemnity or the income, trying to meet the future medical needs, whether Medicare or non-Medicare, and, and in a lot of cases trying to create an estate for those family members through guaranteed payments. Would that matter at all if it was a union worker or a non-union worker? That doesn't really affect it, does it, Mike? You know, it wouldn't. There's a number of um, obstacles or also then on the other end of the spectrum, um, good points in a collective bargaining agreement that we see, you know, vary from uh, union to union mm-hmm. and uh, store to store. For example, uh, with uh, grocery store workers, uh, the bad side is if they don't re- uh, return to work within six months or a year, they're not allowed to return back to their job. Mm-hmm. In other cases, um, we have to go through arbitration. Now, do some union contracts bargain for for that so that that's eliminated from, from certain contracts where they can return after that period of time? They, they do. It, okay. it varies across the board. Well, you probably heard us say here at Ringler, and I know you work with Angus, but uh, you know we can best serve your clients if we're brought into cases and lawsuits and, and negotiations early on uh, because we're able to hopefully match these tax-free annuity payments to the needs that you've, you've projected on, uh, on some of your clients. And Angus, have you done that? I mean, obviously you've gone with Mike and sat with clients and tried to match some of these needs with with annuities. How 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 has the structured settlement annuity really helped Mike settle his cases? Well, as we pointed out uh, previously, you know, sitting down with the clients, getting to know the individuals, getting to know the the needs of that individual as well as their family, and it gives us a chance to put together a package that gives them a little financial guidance. Uh, helps them avoid you know, dissipating funds earlier than needed. And in most of these work comp cases, the, the future medical need for the remainder of their life is a key element to make sure there's funds there to take care of those needs. You know, it's funny, uh, Mike, a lot of times attorneys will say, well, I can do better with my money instead of a structure. There are other opportunities for the investment side. And I, I often tell them, and I'm sure you'd agree, that the money that they're getting in these cases, th- these aren't pools of investment funds for these folks. These are living expenses for these folks, and they need to be protected and, and, and maintained for the long term. Well, absolutely. Um, and you know, who wouldn't want to take advantage of tax-free annuities and, and payouts that are guaranteed for 10 years or more? Well, you'd be surprised. There's some people who uh, obviously have uh, you know other thoughts, but, but that's what Angus and I do every day. We're trying to convince, and, and I'll use the word sell people on an understanding that, that structured settlements are very, very good in terms of solving the needs and the problems that they have. And, you know, with the economic issues that we're having in a country today, 
you know, with the uh, Fed dropping interest rates, the unsteady stock market, you've heard about the subprime mortgage issues. Uh, structured settlements are looking better and better. Uh, I don't know where I'd, you know, I, I don't know where I'd rather, rather put my money today. If it was a, a stock market potential or a CD or even in real estate, I mean, those are probably the places I'd, I'd least likely look to put it. I'd much rather put it with a safe, secure, tax-free annuity. Larry, I absolutely agree. Guaranteed money is certainly the best kind. And as, you know, as we talked about earlier, it's tax-free. Well, that's great. And, uh, Angus, why don't you, uh, talk to, uh, Mike about some re- a real-life example of a workers' comp case that might have involved even a, a union worker or walk us through the process. Mike, why don't you start, and maybe, Angus, you can talk about it as well. well certainly, yeah, but for obvious uh, privacy issues, I'm going to change the names of the parties. Okay, just use Angus's name. That's fine. Okay. Well, uh, we have uh, Angus, and Angus is a, a grocery store employee, and due to the repetitive nature of his work of lifting items from floor to waist and overhead, scanning items and opening boxes, he, he's developed wrist and shoulder injuries. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, due to delays in receiving treatment and testing, he's now approaching six months post-injury and is fearful he's going to lose his job. Mm-hmm. In his collective bargaining agreement, uh, the union and the employers agreed that regardless of whether it's a work injury or, not, or a non-work injury, he has to return to work within six months or he's going to be terminated. And so eventually uh, he, can't, he, he won't be able to get back to work because of delays with medical treatment uh, or that uh, his job can't accommodate him because of his work restrictions. And in the meantime, his family is dependent on his health insurance. And at the end of the six-month period, his health insurance benefits are cut off and his employer is no longer contributing to his premiums. Mm-hmm. And so, meantime, he's only getting two-thirds of his wages. He's on COBRA insurance now, which is a higher form of uh, insurance premiums, and Angus just doesn't know how to make ends meet. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Mike, in that scenario, what if I am a man of good character and good work ethic and I, I choose to go back with the injury, exacerbate the injury? How does that affect my future benefits and, and, and the the injury itself or having to refile that injury within the work comp system? Well, uh, unfortunately, it's not always just up to you, the injured worker. I've seen a lot of times where the employer demands a full release from from you, the injured worker, from your doctor. Unfortunately, that's against the law, but a lot of people that are unrepresented by counsel, they don't know that, and they need to get back to work because, one, they need to make their, they need to make their uh, mortgage payment and they need to get their health insurance going back again. And so having competent counsel and knowing what to do, they would be protected. Now, with, with this also, you mentioned the, the folks that are getting two-thirds of their wages and for a period of time. What about permanently disabled employees? How, how would you deal with someone who is really, really bad off? Well, somebody that is really, really bad off, uh, we would see uh, whether or not they were able to return back to the workplace first of all. Mm -hmm. Number two, we would see if, in fact, they can't return back to the workplace, uh, we would see about getting them on Social Security disability to bring another source of uh, revenue into into the family household. And and let me, I'm sure you're settling a lot of these cases, and and although we're not going to get into this topic because we have several shows on this topic, the topic of Medicare set-asides, when you're settling these workers' comp cases, I'm sure you're entertaining the concept of those Medicare set-asides. Well, we're required to by law. Right. So, so that's that's that takes up a lot of your time, and you're dealing with uh, with these cases. So, you must have a pretty big workload, Mike. 
We have a very, very large workload, and uh, I, I got to tell you, we rely on um, Angus and what he does uh, every step of the way. It helps. Uh, it helps out tremendously. I thought Angus was out of work. Oh, that was the other Angus. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm talking about the real Angus. The real Angus. Actually, that's the voc rehabilitative <laughs> Angus who found a new industry. There you go. There you go. Well, on that happy note, let's take a short break, and we'll come back uh, in just a few minutes with some more conversation about unions, workers' compensation, with our special guest. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio, Internet radio from Ringler Associates. Quite simply, the undisputed leader in structured settlements for more than 30 years. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Experience counts. Over 130,000 cases structured. Ringler Associates, the only broker you need. Listen to all the Ringler Radio shows. Just go to ringlerassociates.com and click on Ringler Radio and choose a topic. Ringler Radio is produced by broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Did you know that Legal Talk Network shows are also available as CLE, including Ringler Radio? Visit Law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. That's clecenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and today we've been talking about the union factor in workers' compensation cases with our special guest, Attorney Mike Rott from San Diego, California. And I've also been joined today by my co-host, Angus Kennedy from the San Diego office of Ringler Associates. Well, Mike, is it, uh, is it difficult to establish that a worker's injury is a result of something that happened on the job? I mean, is this still the issue where there people are, you know, the employers are trying to say, whoop, it wasn't job related, it was a, a frolic or a detour or something like that? How is, how is that working today in this uh, environment? Well, you know, we, we hear it all the time. Uh, this is supposed to be a no-fault system. However, unfortunately, uh, when you have a, a client that didn't report an injury right away, continue to work, and there are no witnesses, you know, the obvious answer is, are they really hurt? Mm-hmm. And so that that will generally present problems for us and uh, makes a difficult case. Hey, Mike, besides an actual witness, you know, uh, seeing the individual injured on the job, what other means of proof do you typically use to, to prove your case? Well, uh, we, we generally um, try and rely upon medical records. So hopefully if um, the injured worker has gone to the doctor right away, complained about the injury to uh, the doctor, and there's a documented hit makes a difficult case, and he's received treatment or she's received treatment, then uh, the law presumes that it actually did happen. Is the, is the fact that they're in a union, is that helpful to your case as well? You know, a- absolutely. Uh, unions have been just incredibly instrumental in helping uh, us put together a case. They're usually the very first people on the scene. There's a un- usually a union rep or union steward that's there on the uh, job site. They're generally the ones that help their, uh, their members fill out the uh, employee claim form, get witness statements, and it's almost like having a private investigator, if you will, mm. at the scene 
at, at that at that very instant. Well, you know, we've been talking about these injury cases, but you know, every once in a while, unfortunately, we have fatalities. And I guess the question of who qualifies as a legal dependent and the extent of that dependency is determined by the facts and uh, as they exist at the time of the injury and, and the death. Uh, but I'm wondering here in California specifically, how does the immigration status of an employee complicate your job? Is it, is it difficult out here with, with some of these issues of, of who's actually uh, a citizen and, and what dependents they have when, when something like this happens? Well, that, that's actually a very good question. Uh, you know, and, and I think it's important to note off the start that a dependent's not required to live in the same state uh, or even the same country as, the uh, unfortunately, the uh, decedent in order to receive death benefits. Uh, they can live anywhere in the world as long as they're a dependent, uh, and they can prove that uh, there is some type of dependency relationship, then uh, they are considered under the eyes of the law in California to be a, a dependent. Well, are, are you sometimes met with the fact that you have uh, two or three individuals coming forward claiming that they're the wife of this individual or either by common law or some other way, and, and does that complicate matters? Oh, absolutely. We've had uh, any time that there's a pool of money up for grabs, it just it never surprises me that people come out of the woodwork and say that uh, they have some form of dependency. In fact, uh, recently we had uh, one death case where um, a putative spouse, which is a, a person that uh, entered into an invalid marriage with, with our decedent client, mm-hmm. and she's seeking to get uh, death benefits. Amazing. It was interesting. It's not so much even the spouses that come up. Uh, it's the multiple children who come from those spouses or alleged yeah, spouses absolutely. or girlfriends along the way. Is it, it, any quick input on that issue as far as going beyond the spouses to the dependents? Oh, absolutely. If, if at, the, uh, at the time of the, uh, the death they can prove in good faith that they were a member of the uh, family or household of the employee, uh, just bearing some type of special relationship, I mean, they could be a husband, a wife, a child, a brother, a sister, aunt, uncle, and even we've seen in some cases where a father-in-law or a mother-in-law can qualify as a dependent. Interesting. Hey, Mike, back to spouses. Uh, is there a consistency there? Uh, you know, here in California, we have same-sex marriages. Is there any uh, differentiation to that issue? Well, um, regarding uh, legal dependency involving two people of the same sex occupying the same residence, while the laws in California don't indicate dependency within the meaning of the what we go by, the California Labor Code, the uh, Workers' Compensation Appeals Board actually found that a, uh, a male partner was a good-faith member of the decedent's household and awarded death benefits. Interesting. Yeah. Angus, before uh, we close today, give us an example of a case where maybe you and Mike worked on the case and the structure really helped the process, uh, especially in the areas that we're talking about here with all these various dependents coming in and children out of the woodwork. And how, how is this money protected? How have you and Mike worked on cases like that? Give us an example. Yeah, well, well, Mike and I have a great case, and, and we won't name names, uh, but we met about four years ago, and the mediation started at 9 in the morning. It finished at 1 in the morning. And, and during the course of negotiations between the defense and the applicant side, the injured party's spouse had more to do with, you know, how much money was he going to get, how much money were they going to get, how quick were they going to get it. Uh, when the day was said and done, we were able to put together a significant uh, annuity for the injured party. I believe it was about $2,500 a month for life. She was fairly young. Uh, and we found out not, not soon 
after the uh, mediation that the husband had kicked her out of the house, filed for divorce, wow. got as much of the cash money in his hand, and, and uh, moved on. And it was comforting knowing, and Mike and I bring this case up almost every time we meet, uh, that she was taken care of and that her needs were met for the future. And uh, if she wouldn't have had an annuity, uh, there's no telling where she'd be at now. Those are the kind of cases you get Christmas cards from those people. It's, it's amazing. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, if somebody in the audience wanted to find out more about things we were talking about or just to contact you, how would they do that? Well, uh, Larry, they could contact me at our, our firm's main office, which is 619-296-5884, or they can contact me through my email at m-r-o-t-t at h-r-o-l-l-p as in Peter, dot com. Okay, great. And Angus, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, what would they do? Well, you can always go to our website, ringlerassociates.com, where you can find Ringler Radio and, and some of the spots we do. Uh, also, 866-485-0015 is my toll-free number, and a Kennedy at ringlerassociates.com is my email address. Great. And, of course, all Ringler Associates can be reached at ringlerassociates.com. Go to the website. It's really kind of a cool place to hunt around, and uh, you'll find some great information. So for Mike and for Angus, this is again your host Larry Cohen saying go on out and make it a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio. Ringler Associates experience counts. Since 1975, Ringler Associates has provided the finest structured settlement services to injured parties and their attorneys. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by the life markets that issue structured settlement annuities, including Allstate, American General Structured Settlements, Aviva, The Hartford, Liberty Life, MetLife, New York Life, John Hancock, and Prudential. Ringler Radio is produced by broadcast professionals at the Legal Talk Network.